from Fortress Funds Managers. This is Do It For Grantly, a podcast where we speak with women and men in Barbados about their Grantleys and other money matters. I'm Kim Howard, Marketing Manager at Fortress, and my co-host is Omar Kennedy. Hello, listeners. An entrepreneur, author, and former financial manager. Our guests today are the embodiment of determination and vision. They are both incredible businesswomen who have successfully grown their businesses over the past 16 years. We sat down to speak with Sharita Odell, real estate broker of Million Dollar Homes and Barbados Real Estate 246, and Gil Alyard, co-founder and creative director of the Dwellings Lifestyle Group. Their experiences managing their financial evolution in smart women, big money ideas. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. So let's get to it. Hey, it's me again. We know that talking about money isn't always easy. There's often lots of jargon, and it can be kind of confusing, which is why we started this podcast. So now we're asking you to send us your questions so that we can answer them in a very special upcoming episode of Do It For Grantly. And if your answer is featured in the episode, we'll make sure to give you a special prize. So tell us, what's one financial term you want to know more about? That's one financial term you want to know more about. Head over to speakpipe.com slash doitforgrantlypodcast. That's speakpipe, like standpipe, dot com slash doitforgrantlypodcast and record your question. Remember to state your name first. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Do It For Grantly. My name is Kim Howard. I'm Omar Kennedy. Do It For Grantly is a podcast brought to you by Fortress Funds Managers. Fortress is a mutual fund company based here in Barbados since 1996. We provide Barbados and U.S. dollar mutual funds to both individual and organizational investors who are looking to invest and grow their money. Omar is going to tell us a little bit about what mutual funds are. A mutual fund is an investment product that pulls together money from you, the investors, and puts it in one big pot. From there, Fortress takes the money and invests it all over the world. The benefit of this is the principle of not putting all of your eggs in one basket. In finance, it's called diversification. So what happens is, instead of you going and investing in a company you may know or like, Fortress, who are the expert money managers, take the funds and invest them in countries and companies all over the world. And in doing such, they maximize your potential profits and minimize any potential losses. Indeed. And remember, listeners, there are something like 26 previous episodes of Do It For Grantly already available on our website or on your preferred podcast app. And they include things like saving versus investing, family money matters, debt management, productive investments, retirement planning, Empowering female investors, millennial investors, millennial, (laughs) (laughs) and how to encourage economic growth during the COVID-19 pandemic. So there's a wide range of information already available. If this is your first time listening, you can go and catch up. We have two brand new guests here to the show, and we're delighted to have them to talk about smart women, big money ideas. We're going to be talking about these intelligent women and what they're consciously doing to manage their financial evolution, particularly in this ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Our guests today are Sharita Odell. Hi, Sharita. Hello, how are you? I'm well, and you? Good, can't complain. Good. And Gail Alyard? Yes, Alyard. 
Alert. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well. And how are you doing, Gil? I'm good, thanks. Good. So Gil is the co-founder and creative director of the Dwellings Lifestyle Group, which includes Dwellings Home, Lily Plum Kids, and Mindful Market. She founded Lily Plum and Dwellings in 2006 with her husband and partner, Louis Carrillo. They also hold the Barbados license for the international brand Ashley Furniture Home Store. They also operate a dwelling store in Trinidad. Gil is the one who is responsible for overseeing the buying and marketing for all the brands in the portfolio. And prior to founding Dwellings, Gil worked with global luxury and fashion brands and including in senior brand and marketing roles. So welcome to Do It For Grantly, Gil. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I'm glad to have you. Sharita now. Sharita is a former national long and triple jumper and also a former Olympian. Yes. Mm-hmm. Olympic representative, 1996. Yes, I remember. But then she was Sharita Howard. That yes. is how you were yes, stuck she was. in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so Adele fights me every single time. <laughs> That's all right. That is all right. I'll respond to both. It's all good. <laughs> Sharita has a bachelor's in, ma- in Spanish and managerial studies. And she also has an MBA in marketing and human resource management. So for many years, she worked in the hotel industry, primarily in sales marketing and operational management. But now she's an entrepreneur who is the real estate broker of two sister agencies. That's Million Dollar Homes and Barbados Real Estate 246. Welcome, Sharita, to Do It For Grantly. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Okay, I want to just start off, ladies. Tell me a bit more about your individual business philosophies and what what are your core goals when it comes to your businesses? Um, Sharita? I would say my uh, predominant business philosophy is just do unto others as you would have done unto you in terms of the service you provide, how you respond, how you treat the client. And what would you like if you were in their shoes? What would you want to receive? You know what? Deliver that. And if you do that, uh, hopefully they can see the effort that you're making and in turn, Um, be satisfied. At the end of the day, it is about meeting felt needs. So if you go into business looking to make money, you ain't gonna last long. But if you go in trying to connect with people, truly bond with people where they're at and meet their felt needs, I think that is when um, the customer will be happy and you, you will have a good rest that night. Someone once told me that if you take good care of your staff, your staff will handle the money coming in. That's so right. I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Gail, tell us, um, what are your own business philosophies and what are your core goals? One of my core business philosophies is to always do things to the best of my ability. Um, you know, I love what I do and I spend a lot of time reading up um, about you know what's the latest and greatest like global ende- endeavors in not only my business but in business in general. Um, I love to hear about new innovations, and then it's kind of finding that balance. I love to innovate, but then it's finding the balance between innovation and relevance in the market because you know we're not you you want to be a bit ahead but not too far ahead that people don't even understand what you're doing kind of thing. So. That, and I would say definitely um, investing in in staff, in having a good team, because once you have a good team, you can't do things alone and you need that team to support you along the way. And I love to have a team that 
is really engaged in what they're doing and for them to lead in their um, roles. And I'm just there to support, really. So that's where I am. One aspect of Fortress that we don't really speak about that uh, often is the the professional money management that Fortress has. And and Gail just said, you know, you have to invest in your team. You have to understand your markets. And that's one great thing about Fortress. Fortress are professional money managers. They understand international stocks. They understand local stocks. They understand mutual funds. They understand bonds. They understand investing. So these, people, these, these persons have been in the industry for over 20 years. They know what they're talking about. So, you know, there's some persons who may go on Google or YouTube and they fancy themselves experts. But, you know, you must always go with some persons who do understand what's going on. I was just going to say, do you have something against Google? Because I'm quite a Google fiend. <laughs> I, I know, but, but you're, you're the exception. <laughs> yeah, the problem comes with people who believe that everything that they Google makes them exceptional. And that, that, that is the challenge. <laughs> so one of the things that I've read on Google and elsewhere is that one of the greatest money myths that women have been fed is that we need more help than the average man when it comes to managing our finances. Gail, can you tell me, what do you think about that? Have, is that something you've heard before? Yes. And what do you think? Um, I think that uh, women are definitely just as capable as men of managing finances. I think maybe what's held women back, because, I mean, it is a fact that women are not as confident as men when it comes to investing or knowing about like financial literacy, Um but, you know, I think there's a lot of historical factors that come into play that have affected women um, up to today, but that's changing. And as women develop more confidence and are more educated, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of changes. And I think in general, women have a different way of approaching finances, just like how they have a different way of approaching business. It's like they tend to be probably a bit more cautious and reflective when they're investing their money um maybe a bit more risk averse and what about you sharita have you heard that before that women need more help than the average man in terms of managing their finances but of course <laughs> <laughs> i mean we have always been sadly whether we like it or not being defined as the weaker sex we are too emotional we you know, for the most part, we're often paid less, et cetera. And that then filters over into perceiving us as lesser than when it comes to something as powerful as money. But I'm going to drop this here. If some women could hold a baby in one hand, write a thesis with the other, fold their laundry with their toes, how much more can they manage money, you know, once they have the right tools and knowledge like anybody else? And their so, other toes are available. I know. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. So, so you're both well-established, successful entrepreneurs. It's not something that happens overnight, um, especially uh, one could argue if you're a woman. Um, so um, what are some obstacles that you may have faced uh, in establishing your domain in these industries? And did you find it easy to find support and encouragement from your family and friends? And, and the third thing, I know there's a lot of questions now, right? Um, but was funding or capital ever an issue? Um, Gail? Um, okay, where do I start? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'll start with the investment part. Um, I guess I was lucky because, well, I started my business 
I was pretty young when I started my business. I was 28. And I guess I had some savings um, from my previous jobs. I Not a lot of savings, but just a little bit. And then um, I um, got a loan from my parents to help me start my first store, which was Lily Plum. So I was very lucky in that sense that I had the support, the financial support. You know, I didn't have to go out and get a loan from a bank and all that. So, you know, and then when we started Dwellings with Louis, he also had some savings that he put in and all that. So most of it was funded from our savings. Um, and it kind of grew from there, just reinvesting into the business. But I guess when we... Um, really needed to expand or wanted to expand, uh, which happened when we went to Trinidad five years ago, then we had to borrow some money. And, you know, as a small, medium enterprise, we found it very difficult to um, get a loan from banks. So because, you know, this makes no sense to me. I find banks in general are very risk averse. And basically, if they're going to lend you money, they want to have as much like security holding that money, which you wouldn't be going to a bank if you had it in the first place, right? <laughs> so anyway, we were really hell-bent on going into Trinidad. So um, we ended up finding a private equity firm in Trinidad that lent us the money to start the business. The thing with that is that the interest rate was a lot higher than what you would have normally paid from a bank. So, you know, when you go that route, you really have to make sure that all your ducks are aligned and that you are going to deliver on what your plan was. So said, so done. So we get the money, we start the store and then recession hits. And then a year after we get COVID and it's like, oh, it was just like all hell broke loose. So then we had to find a different route. So that's when we explored like taking on a partner and we were lucky. We found a partner uh, who invested in business, who bought 50% of the business in Trinidad. And um, I would say just in general, when you're working with a partner, it's really important to look for somebody who has strengths that are complementary to yours so that you're not kind of stepping on each other's toes and, you know, um, look for a person who's going to see value in your business. Um, yeah, all is well now, but it was a bit um, stressful at one point, <laughs> to <laughs> say the imagine. least. So that was my experience with finance, you know, financing the business in general. I find, you know, the options when you're a medium sized business um, to, and you want to expand and you don't necessarily have the cash to do so is quite difficult, especially in this region, to get um, support like loans from, you know, classical institutions like banks. Understood, understood. One of the things that um, I, we always tout on the podcast about using mutual funds is persons can often use mutual funds as a saving and investing vehicle. What happens is persons can take, say, $100 from their salary every month, put it into the mutual fund account, and just let it happen ad infinitum. And when they reach a set goal, they may say, I would like to save for 10 years. I'd like to open a business in five years. And they have a small nest egg or a large nest egg, depending on how long you've been investing, that in case something happens, an emergency, or you want to open that business or whatever goal it is that you have struck, you know, you have the money there 
waiting for you. So I, I just wanted to, to have a, that, that little plug-in right there. Um, Sharita, um, tell us um, some, about some of the obstacles that you have faced in establishing your domain in these industries and what about um, support and encouragement and finance? One thing I would say, thank goodness I had parents who they were like, I don't know what this child is doing, but we'll clap and, and wait for something to happen. So I never had negative parents. They were always, even if they weren't supporting me as in pushing me forward, because half the time I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. At least they were always there to give some advice, to bounce ideas off of, um, to give that parental, I, I don't know, I think you should think that out. Um, and that was very helpful. In terms of funding, when I got into real estate, it was because I was in a business where I was helping other realtors. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're making how much? And I am doing all the work. Let me let me explore this. So when I when I started, I was actually still in a job. And that was helpful to me because remember, number one, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had no mentorship. I was literally just stepping out. Um, so I would have continued with the reserves from the job and my savings. And then if something happened real estate wise, I would reinvest it. And eventually it came to a headway where I had to make a decision uh, whether to stick with my job or just jump into real estate. And I chose the latter. And um, the reality is that on many occasions I saw my my bank account hover just below, just before zero. Ooh, ooh, it's going to get, ah, we got a little rental. Ooh, that was close. And that happened nonstop for years. I mean, people often see entrepreneurs at the peak of their success, but they don't know the grind it took to get there. So I saw peaks and valleys and hovering mm -hmm. above zero for many years until it eventually caught momentum and took on a life of its own. So, yeah, a lot of the investment was, thank goodness, from the business. But you have to be very disciplined knowing that as much as I want to go out and lay with my friends this weekend, uh, let's buy a magazine ad <laughs> and make those kind of decisions to help force the business forward. Understood. Understood. Tell me something for you, Sharita. Are there any particular entrepreneurial women that you find inspirational or that you look to you admire you look to for inspiration from seeing how they would have taken their careers and just projected into a whole new dimension obviously you can you can't ever devalue rihanna rihanna started off as a songbird and that was a launching platform to all sorts of avenues and what i like is that she is doing what she likes you know, some will yield results and you cut those off and then you realize, oh, this is working over here. And you, you, um, you know, go even harder on that. People have, of course, forgotten Tyra Banks because she isn't that model-esque figure that she started off being. But she used that as her entryway to entrepreneurship in different avenues. And of course, the queen of them all is Oprah Winfrey. She was poor. She started off poor. She entered into the realm of being an anchor woman and look at how we now have a woman with money that we can't count. Schools all over the world and she is definitely going to leave a legacy. All three of them will. They're not just making the money but putting it in areas that will 
transform lives. So that is what um, fuels me to don't don't just try to make money for your own happiness. But how are you going to be remembered when you leave this earth? What did the money do for some somebody else? Mm-hmm. And I think that should be the defining factor in every aspect of your entrepreneurship journey. I think one of the things that you didn't mention there, but that struck me when you listed those three women was also diversification. Yes. Because everybody's, well, not everybody, but there are many people who are still like, Rihanna, where's the new album? When is it going to drop? <laughs> and she's like, I'm making money over here. Exactly. <laughs> you know, she's focused on other things. Correct. She's done, you know, um, Gail talked about partnerships, the partnership she had to foster in Trinidad. That is essentially what Fenty Beauty is. Mm-hmm. You know, her working with um, LV. So it's, yeah, that was the thing that struck me just now about what you said. What about you, Gail? Are there any particular female entrepreneurs that you admire or that inspire you? Well, I thought about this for a while and I just, there's so many. And to me, it's not necessarily women entrepreneurs who are, you know, at the top right now. For me, what's inspiring is to see women every day in entrepreneurship. As I said earlier, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and interviews of women entrepreneurs. And, you know, the ones that I, the stories I really love to hear is like people, like women who are really aligned with their truth. And it's not necessarily the ones who are making the most money. I mean, yes, they're successful. They've gone to a certain point, you know, where people want to hear their story. But the fact that they're driven by just, you know, creating something that is really near and dear to their heart every day of life. And they're really aligned with that. And also, you know, people who just want to do good in the world, as Sharita said, you know, like wanting to leave a legacy. But no, it's not even about their legacy. It's just like genuinely they just want to do something good and give back and also turn back and help other women in entrepreneurship. So and I think also seeing women, you know, I had this aha moment a few like years back hearing these women, they're like multi-talented and they're doing all these different things. I was like, oh, wow. Growing up, I thought you had to pick one thing and that's what you were going to do. But now it's amazing because people have all these like side hustles and this and that who could become their main hustle. And it's really interesting to see people flourish in many different avenues and be successful in different arenas. Very true. Absolutely. I I, I feel you 1000%. Ladies, was there ever a moment in your professional career that you said to yourselves, okay, I've made it? Well, of course, one of the things that I would have mentioned repeatedly is that entrepreneurship is about literally grinding. The, the money does not go up in a, a straight line. <laughs> um, they're kind of like mutual funds, actually. Nice. They, they can go up nicely, but there's some peaks and bounces and, you know, and then some climbs and... and um, So the journey has been like that. And I remember saying to myself, okay, when I get to X amount of dollars, I know that I've made it. Yay. And then you get to X amount of dollars and you realize, okay, I'm I'm still here. Nothing monumental has happened. (laughs) And oh, wait, oh, there it goes. It's going back down. Okay. Oh, oh, we got to get back up. And it, it, you know, I think what makes entrepreneurship fulfilling and keeps you driven is that you never arrive. You never really arrive. When you set that target and you get there, 
then the heart is not satisfied. It automatically finds another target. And that's what helps to elevate you to the best of who you are. When you look at like Richard Branson and, you know, entrepreneurs who are covering, you know, some serious legwork, you see that they're never happy with where they're at. Okay, so I have something going up in space now, but trust me, something is in there pulling him to do, do something else. So I think the question is, do you ever really arrive? Gail? Um, yeah, I, you know, I think I've had like fleeting moments. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I pause for five minutes. And I'm like, oh, you know, when you have the time to actually like sit down and like look back or reflect and you're like, oh, wow, you know, like I'm here now and this is where I was five years ago. But I don't think I've ever felt really like I... I've made it because then there's always the next project and there's always something else. Um, and actually, I think one moment where I really felt like I had achieved something was um, a few years back, um, Louis and I went to this conference, like a Tony Robbins um, conference. And it was something organized by Ashley Furniture and we went there and it was great. It was really motivational. And at one point, Tony Roberts asked everybody to stand up in the room and there's like hundreds of Ashley dealers there. And it's like, okay, well, now, you know, if you had your business uh, for a year, you know, sit down. If you've had your business for five years, sit down. So by the time he got to 10 years, there were literally like, 10 people standing up in the room and we were one of those people. And I was like, wow. Like, but you don't realize that you've been doing that well. You don't realize that, you know, you're still standing after 10 years. And I think it, it's like something like 4% of entrepreneurs are actually still standing after 10 years. So that was one moment that made me realize it's like, wow, we've really done something here. But, um, but yeah, there's always something else coming down the road and always a project around the corner. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look out. When are you going to be at 15 years? Just now? Oh, right? no, we're uh, going on 16. It's going to be 16 years in December. Wow. Oh, sorry, sorry. When are you going to be on 20 years then? <laughs> Four years from now. <laughs> See, there you are. I don't know what that sounds 2025. like. 2025. <laughs> yeah, that's almost interstellar category because if you're saying something like, was it one in, one in 10? It's 4%. 4%, 4%, 4%, 4%, 4%, 4%, 4%. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know what the percentage is that make it to 20. <laughs> Probably know. even slimmer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so ladies, since last year when, you know, we had the breakout of the novel coronavirus, um, life has changed dramatically. And I just want to talk a little bit about how the pandemic has affected your businesses and how you've managed to pivot, particularly in the industries that you're in, you know, Gail in home furnishings, primarily, and real estate for you, Sharita. Also, I know both of you are parents, so there's also this issue of managing homeschooling, which you've been doing for now nearly two years now. <laughs> so tell us, what's, what have you managed to, to pivot in this, in this time? I will start by saying from a financial perspective, I didn't realize COVID happened. And let me explain. As a realtor, you don't see money too often. You, you really don't. So, and you don't know when it's coming. So whereas when, uh, uh, whereas when COVID started and there were lockdowns and 
quarantines and this, that, and the other. Luckily, I still would have had deals closing like normal. So the, the you know, and I was used to that type of payment when and if it comes type of thing. So I never noticed anything different financially. <laughs> um, what I would say I was grateful for was that people were still buying. When people realize that you can die from a germ, a virus, whatever it is, all of a sudden what was the bucket list becomes the now action list. Uh, when people realize that I thought my house was cute and nice and friendly to me, but being locked up in here for five weeks makes it not desirable anymore. All of a sudden they come out of the woodworks and they want to rent something with grass and a backyard. So rentals were booming um, during the breaks because people realized that what they thought was a de de what they thought was a desirable space is not desirable when you can't go anywhere. That's fascinating. Yes. So real estate did not struggle. I can only speak for myself. It didn't struggle for it wasn't a struggle for me in the sense that there was still activity. And then luckily the government initiated the Barbados welcome stamp. So that was another opportunity as well to get those type of expat rentals going. So if you were busy and active, there were opportunities. Um, so from that perspective, I was able to keep a sane mind <laughs> and did not feel as threatened as some persons did in, in terms of financial um, or job stability. And then what about the managing schooling? I was trying to avoid that topic. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. you recognize that COVID happened with schooling. Oh yes. my goodness. I'm not going to lie. Listen, listen. I, I will be frank and I will put my business out there. I, 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 I nearly had a nervous breakdown, man. That, 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 what was it? Five, two or three months that we were, two months, I think, that we were shut I down. I don't even know anymore. I can't even remember. But I started to nearly have a panic attack because children are cute when they go to school and you pick them <laughs> up at three o'clock. <laughs> Can I be honest? You know, you love them. You love them because you see them at certain times and you get to embrace them and hug them. But beautiful children as they are, especially when they're eight and six, and at the time I think there was, there, yeah, there were one year less, it is intense trying to, listen, my grace is not teaching. That's not my grace. God did not put me on the earth for that. So all of a sudden, when I'm here trying to be a teacher, it was painful. <sighs> However, <laughs> after that rant, I will say this. I, I am grateful for the time that I have spent with them. Because I, I then realized that even though when we drop them off in the morning and pick them up in the afternoon and think they're doing all well, sometimes there are areas that you miss. And I was able to pick up one or two areas that if we didn't help our kids at that point, they could have a deficit in that area. And we would not even know, you know, and also to we talk about working for family. Yeah, I'm doing this for my family. Well, guess what? You're going to spend time with your family <laughs> and get to really know them. So then I, then I, I adjusted my attitude <laughs> and I was grateful for the time spent. And I, I, I can't complain on hindsight, but going through the roughest of it, it was very emotionally intense. I can well imagine. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Gail? 
how have you managed to pivot in this wonderful pandemic time? <laughs> well, um, being in the furnishings business, I think we were one of the lucky ones because after everybody was stuck at home for a few weeks, like as soon as we reopened, it was just this madness. Like everybody was like, I need a new couch, I need a new mattress. I can't stand my walls anymore. Like literally everybody was like redecorating and, you know, making themselves comfortable at home because we didn't know also if it was going to happen again and it did. Um, so I think we got very lucky in that sense. Um, allowed us to kind of catch back up, you know, from after the closures. Um, I think then the issue that we've been facing, which is now like a result of the pandemic and the high demand and then you know, factories not being able to produce as fast is that there's a shortage in goods. There's a massive problem with freight right now, which, I mean, I'm selling couches, but I'm more concerned actually about stuff like food, you know, um, especially in a place where we import everything. Um, and I honestly don't know how that is going to resolve itself. I mean, for my business, we were able to actually you know, order more stock um, up front because we kind of felt like we saw it coming. So we we're like, well, the demand is high. I don't think it's going to change. And then because of the Barbados welcome stamp, um, also we knew real estate was doing well. So therefore, you know, we adjusted um, our purchases for that. And I think we're in a, in a pretty good spot right now, even though we have delayed shipments and everything, we know it's coming. But this whole freight situation right now is is a problem. Um, but um, in terms of pivoting as well, I guess we saw an opportunity, you know, in food because we're really in the wants business. We're like, well, maybe you need to have some stuff in the needs business because then <laughs> people need to mm -hmm. eat. So um, we started Mindful Market, which was really dipping our toe into the food category. Um, during the lockdown, I signed up actually just personally, I signed up for a um, health coaching course. I just opened up my eyes to all the stuff that we're eating that is really not very good for us. So the whole idea between my, behind Mindful Market was to create a food offer that would cater to all the different diets and would offer people like better alternatives for food, which are like, you know, whole foods and things are um, made with with um, healthy ingredients, basically. So those were like my two big pivoting points during the COVID period, which is still ongoing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So who knows what will happen next? Um, in terms of the kids at home, I guess my kids are older. They're you know in their teens. I have two girls, uh, fourteen and sixteen. And in general, you know, I've never had to push them in school. So they were pretty um, okay, you know, with the schoolwork. Now, one of them is more introverted and she actually loved online school. <laughs> the other one is not. She was very much into her sports and, and very extroverted. So she didn't fare as well. And, you know, it's kind of more dealing with the mental health aspect of it. Um, and, you know, with dealing with teenagers and all the hormones and the emotions and yes. all of that. So, yeah. What are two of your greatest accomplishments that you can pinpoint um, having taken place during the pandemic? For me, my, the two biggest accomplishments during COVID would, would be 
you know, finalizing the partnership in Trinidad because that all happened actually during and after this first lockdown. Um, I think it kind of lit a fire under us and we're like, we're ready to get this done. So <laughs> we got it done. Um, so that was a big achievement. And the second one is the launch of Mindful Market and success so far. Lovely. Shreedan? Firstly, I would say having been able to achieve a more consistent influx of sales. Um, you know, when you think pandemic and people dying all over the world, you, you, you almost get embarrassed to say, oh, things are looking okay. <laughs> um, but that is just the nature of how the market reacted. So I would say that um, I was grateful that real estate did not take a big hit and that in some instances, agencies did actually see increases of certain types of property sales. That's, that's just the reality. Um, because people were willing to buy online, they didn't need to drive up and down and they, they made decisions. They made quick decisions based on the evidence presented to them and they were satisfied with that. So that made a difference. And secondly, recruiting help. Entrepreneurs, especially those who start off as sole traders, because they put such blood, sweat, and tears in it themselves, they don't want to share. They, they don't want anybody in their business. You're not going to understand my vision. You're not going to get it. You're going to mess up. Ugh. And I, had, I let go. I let go. I let go. And I trusted people to come into my space and they proved themselves during that time. So for me, that was major because it also meant that I was able to scale my business upward. So I am grateful for that. And, and for me to let go after so many years in doing this, that took a lot. <laughs> How many years? 16. Oh, oh wait. Hang two on. 16s. Are you all 20? Two 16s. <laughs> 16, yes. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, it took a pandemic to show you that, but that's still a good lesson to learn. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm grateful. What would you say are some of the ways that you invest in both your personal and professional success? Gail? Well, um, how I invest in, in my personal and professional success is more like, you know, I'm always, as I said, I'm always reading articles or books about a subject. I'm a researcher by nature. So <laughs> when something piques my interest, I have to literally go out and like read everything about it or buy the latest book. And then it's like, oh, that leads to something else. I go down the rabbit hole. So that's really me. I, I'm always like listening to podcasts, reading articles, um, books. And um, also I like to take courses where I feel, you know, I have an interest. And I want to develop that more so I actually need to stop signing up for online courses because it's so easy and I keep like signing up for new things I'm like I really need to take a break from this no you can never learn too much My, man a friend of mine has been university hopping she, that was good she just embraced it as a chance to go to she's like I believe courses exist Kim I'm like wow right. <laughs> I think that's good there's so much interesting stuff out there you know and and now it's so accessible because of the internet and you know, if you're a curious person, then 
It just never ends. <laughs> it's true. Just like Gail, you could never read or listen to too many things. I'm not the best reader, I'll be honest. So give me anything audiovisual. Give mm. me a video, podcast. I will sit down, listen, soak it up. Um, via social media platforms, I would follow persons who do what I do. My industry and that, who are doing well and, and learn from them. You know, so I humble myself and, and try to find ways and means to base on their advice and experience to cut down time wasting or, or going in directions that are not helpful to me. Uh, but a lot of inspiration um, from those medium pass through my ears because at the end of the day when you wake up and you face life there's some joy killer out there ready to grab it from you <laughs> so it's not even just about my craft but more so my aptitude more so ensuring I always feed myself to keep me powered up and encouraged and happy <laughs> because the world is you know the world is waiting for you. So what are you going to do? How are you going to present yourself each day? Good place to start. Ladies, uh, final question. This has been great today. Honestly, it's been really, really good. Um, what's next for both of you? What, what, what is up on the horizon? Sharita? Just streamlining my process. I feel fussy to know that I've got to a place where I see all of my mistakes in the past, embrace them, and try to cut them out. Um... Simple thing like, you know, once upon a time, I thought it was about get listings, get listings. The more listings, the more likelihood of them selling. Uh, the more listings, the more stress, <laughs> right? So instead, I have come to the point where I am, you know, my motto right now is less is more. Less listings, but of quality. I'm a seller. My job is to sell. So it doesn't make sense taking listings from someone who is, I ain't sure, I thinking about it, but put it on the market and let me see what happened, <laughs> you know. So even in terms of just um, being confident in knowing what I like to do and what I don't like to do and staying on the path. And uh, that way I find I've, I've been more fulfilled. I've been having more success in terms of transactions and uh, just continuing to build my knowledge. Gail? Um, I guess my next big project is expanding Mindful Market. That's really where my passion is right now, my new baby. So um, I think you're going to see some exciting things coming next year. Um, so that's really where I'm spending a lot of my time right now, just developing that whole business unit. And another area that we're really working on a lot is like streamlining our logistics and just getting better at sourcing. So we had started a couple years ago already, you know, sourcing all our furniture directly from Asia and developing our own private label lines. And now we want to take that into other product categories. So that's really what we're focusing on now. Wow. All right. Um, I'm really impressed. And I'm sorry that it took us so long into the program to realize that both of you have been operating in business for the past 16 years. But congratulations to both of you. Agreed. Yay. Thank you. Yay, we made uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you may not even think about it, but I'm pretty sure that there is some young woman out there that will hear what y'all have had said today 
and be inspired by what you've had to say. I really hope so. Yeah, man. I definitely think so. You don't have to be Rihanna. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> so thank you both for joining us. And I just want to, you know, draw attention to the fact that you both have come at this from different points of view. I also think that it's important that both of you had marketing backgrounds. That was not lost on me. And that you took your experiences and built on them. And, you know, you've expanded, you've diversified. You know, Gail has now developed a new passion for whole foods. And so she's brought Mindful Market to the market. Sharita has realized that less is more. And again, you know, after 16 years, she's come to that position now and realizes that there is quality that's available as opposed to quantity. And that's less stressful and more successful for her. So it's good that you can reflect and you can build on these things. And I wish you both continued success. I want to remind our listeners as well that investing in mutual funds with Fortress is a way for you to also improve your own financial standing and your dreams of transforming your big ideas into big money ideas. You know, mutual funds, as Omar mentioned, is one way of not putting all your eggs in one basket. It's a way of building collateral for the future, for investing, for the time when you are ready to make that big step out into the world to do something that you've been thinking about doing. So just to remember that that's also an option for everyone who is willing, and you can start with as little as $100. So finally, Smart Women, Big Money Ideas. That's been us here today on Do It For Grantly. As always, we welcome your feedback. And this week, we're curious to know who are some female entrepreneurs that you admire and why? And that's for our listeners. Who are some of the female entrepreneurs that you admire and why? You can send us your replies by voice note at fortressfund.com slash podcast or slide into our DMs on Instagram and Facebook. And make sure to join us next week for an all-new episode, State of the Market, where we catch up with Fortress's Chief Investment Officer, Peter Arinder, and our investment analyst, Rashada Lopez. They've been doing a brilliant job providing us with weekly investment updates for some time, and we're excited to have them join us for an in-depth discussion on the st- status of Fortress's mutual funds, as well as the investment market on a whole. Thank you, Sharita and Gail, again for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. It was our pleasure as well. And that's it for this episode of Do It For Grantly. I'm Kim Howard. I'm Omar Kennedy. Bye. Do It For Grantly is a production of Fortress Fund Managers. You can listen to and download all our episodes in all the good places podcasts are available. Or on our website, fortressfund.com. That's fortressfund.com. Remember to let us know what financial terminology you want to know more about. Now's your chance to have your question answered right here on Do It For Grantly. Head to speakpipe.com slash doitforgrantlypodcast and record your name and your question for a chance to be featured in a special episode and maybe win a prize. That's speakpipe.com slash doitforgrantlypodcast. Find out more on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Most people find out about podcasts through recommendations. So spread the word and tell your friends about our show. Until next time, I'm Kim Howard. And I'm Omar Kennedy. Thanks for listening.